All right, welcome back. We're alive. Just. Just about. Well, not not even just about. I think we're pretty safe, but we are, li- we are alive, we are coronaless, and we are back to, yeah, I don't know, keep you company on your runs or your self-isolation or <laughs> yeah. whatever mode of listening to this you're, <laughs> you're currently in. I think, if anything, we need to ramp up the pods because everyone's going to be going cuckoo from staying in their houses because they're not allowed out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, we don't have anything else to do, so we might as well. Good news, everybody. You're going to be treated to a six hour long steadcast at some point <laughs> in the not too distant future. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just be yeah, audio recordings of us playing Scrabble or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and why is that going to happen? Because everything's cancelled. Literally, the entire world, wait for it, the entire world is it's being cancelled right now. Earth is cancelled. Almost, no yeah. More, yeah. No sports, nobody's going to work, no school. Everything's cancelled. Plane, planes being turned away mid-air and going back to where they came from. Is that a thing? I've never, I've that never heard of that. That's crazy. Spain, yeah, literally. There was a flight going into Spain. Um, I think it was going to Alicante, obviously, not too far from where we've gone in the past. No. And yeah, it got turned away literally as soon as it entered Spanish airspace and everyone had to go home. <laughs> that's infected airspace. L- literally, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so obviously, if you haven't guessed by now, we're talking about the whole corona situation. We're going to try not to dwell on it too much because it's all anyone can talk about at the moment and we don't want to bore you too much because this is a running podcast. So it's not a, despite, CV, it's not a CV podcast. No, which I don't know if any of them have popped up. I wouldn't listen to them if they had. But <laughs> can you imagine? Oh. Jumping on that niche real quick. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What did we even talk about before Corona? Brexit. <laughs> Brexit, yeah. Well, shoes in our most recent podcast. What a- <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Even Admittedly, it was a couple of weeks ago, but that shoe pod that we built up for so much, we built it up and then it felt like the whole running world was going crazy because there were you know, new shoes being released and everyone was going, they're fair or they're unfair or they're legal, they're not legal. And then all of a sudden, the old CV, we'll say it quietly, the old CV. Was lurking in the background and suddenly went wallop like that. <laughs> well, I haven't. Yeah, I've not heard anything about vapor flies in weeks. I haven't even thought about. Them. <laughs> it's crazy. The only thing that you can really think about is no one can get them anymore because they're all sold out everywhere. I know. Well, funnily enough, talking about the newest releases, we won't dwell on this too much. But the old, um, the old vapor flies are now completely sold out on Nike's website. You can't even order them. Yep. And then the Alpha Flyers, I'm sure you saw this because I put it on the group, was uh, they were going for something like $600, like pairs on eBay. Yep. Yeah, well, they've kind of improved that they work. And um, excuse me, but I'm going to talk about running for a second. What? I know, how dare I? This is ludicrous. So the the Alpha Flyers have kind of improved that they work since I think it was like the top six at the US Marathon Trials, which we did preview a little bit in the last pod. Yeah. The top six men were all wearing the Alpha Flies, and some of them made the decision to do literally the day before. Jake Riley, who finished second, made his first Olympic team. He was, he remained unsponsored, turned down sponsorship offers so that he could run in whatever shoes he wanted. They were giving out free Alpha Flies to anyone who wanted them, pretty much no questions asked, with no obligation to wear them at the Olympic trials. And this guy, Jake Riley, the night before the race was doing strides in the alpha flies he was doing one shoe alpha fly one shoe vapor fly trying to make his mind up on what he wanted to run in and it would be really interesting to if we could somehow replay that and see what would have happened if he'd run in vapor flies as opposed to alpha flies and whether or not that would have 
I don't think it would have made much of a difference. I think he no. probably still would have made the team, but it was really close for that team. He finished second. Abdi Abdirahman was like a second, maybe two behind him in third. It was tight coming into the last few It was few really events, tight and it? three get to go. Yeah. And Lenny Career, who went to the same college as me, Iona, I think he graduated the year before my freshman year. He was in fourth and he was coming like an absolute train. <laughs> he was in Alpha Flies as well. And like, he's a kicker. Like he can finish fast. He's run sub 60 for the half marathon. Jeez. And he Jeez. was closing in on those two, like an absolute train in the last half a mile. And you just have to wonder, like, maybe if Jake had chosen to go with the Vapor Flies instead of the Alpha Flies, could that have panned out differently? Yeah. Who knows? But, like, point being, kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but... Not really? The Alpha Flies... Pod? Yeah, on this podcast? How dare I? <laughs> the Alpha Flies work. Like, they're quick. They're a good shoe. I don't think we're surprised, though, are yeah, we? But, I mean, yeah, the amount that they're going for is ridiculous. So, basically, what seems to have happened is... People have got them for the Olympic trials. They've worn them once or maybe not even worn them at all and then just stuck them on eBay. I've just thought of a brilliant, brilliant segue. Go on. So in conclusion, if you were excited for Alpha Flies and you couldn't get them, wait for it, you might be dealing with some disappointment. Oh. There's my segue. (laughs) Round of applause, please. Well done. That's a very good segue. So (laughs) yeah, the topic of today's pod or the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about is how to bounce back from disappointment in just any kind of aspect of your running. We've got a few different kind of areas that we've highlighted that we think are going to be quite common disappointment areas for people, quite common triggers. And we're just going to try and do the best we can to kind of talk through them and maybe give you a coping strategy or two to help you bounce back and get back to your best. So where are we going to start, do you reckon? I think it's got to be the elephant in the room, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the elephant in the room and we won't talk too much about <laughs> what's caused it but I can't I, I need some I need some time on air I need to rant I need to breathe <laughs> I need to express all my frustrations as best I can and I'll do it with minimal swearing I hope well these podcasts are just going to turn into a series of, of rants us trading <laughs> off who's annoyed about something <laughs> yes it is <laughs> I have to say after after the last pod as well probably quite bad timing but the next time i race in the roads it probably will have to be in a pair of springy shoes i've Ooh. had a i've had not a change of heart but i think it's something that you kind of have to do to to keep up with the competition so just yeah if i ever get to race again on the roads if they start races again <laughs> at some point ever it might not be until autumn but yeah no I sh- i'm probably going to be in a pair of springy boys which ones i don't know yet which brand i still i also don't know you'll have to leave the listeners in suspense let's talk about the elephant in the room though anyone who's listening to this i'm certain will know that the london marathon has not been cancelled but rather postponed postponed along with every single other race i mean the smaller local races seem to still be going ahead we had the stowmarket half marathon was on yesterday and the slightly more controversial Bath Half Marathon also ran yesterday, uh, recording this on Monday the 16th, by the way, of March. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about it just yet. I mean, I've had three races. My next three races that I had planned to do, which was the Southern Road Relays, literally got cancelled about an hour ago. The Cardiff Bay 10K and the Reading Half Marathon are all either postponed or cancelled. It's, it's incredible, and... And to see the impact that this whole situation has had on the world, but specifically on these big sporting events, is is mad. And and the disappointment is, it's strange, isn't it? Because you put yourself 
through so much pain and suffering and if somebody said right you don't have to do too much that anymore you'd almost think there'd be a certain element of elation but for for me for me in the situation that I'm in you know I'm not stupid with these things I've been following the news of this situation for a while and to hear that it's been postponed really wasn't a surprise but to have that nail in the coffin kind of finally confirmed as it were for me it really just took the wind out of my sails I think that's the best way that I can word it yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, we're not under any illusions that they've definitely made the right call here. I mean, you can't yeah. just chuck how many ever thousand people just on the streets plus spectators. Anyone who's ever spectated the London Marathon knows in some time, in some places it's, you know, like 10 people thick, the crowds. Yeah. So, I mean, it would just be an absolute nightmare. Everyone would walk away from that race coughing their guts up. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting because I was debating what they do, comparing it to the Tokyo Marathon. I don't know if you saw the images from the Tokyo Marathon. but Yeah, they ran an elites-only race, didn't they? And there is some talk about them doing not the London Marathon, but an Olympic trials race for elites only. Yeah. Um, But I think I don't... I haven't heard any further developments on that. I think it's just all kind of hearsay and rumours at the moment. It would be cool to see that. It would be especially cool if it could be on a lapped course and it could be televised. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I'd love to see that. If anything, I'd probably prefer to see that than the London Marathon because as much as people were like, oh, we're not going to get a Kipchoge versus Bekele, I've made my f- I've made my feelings quite clear. Yeah. I thought Bek- um, Kipchoge was just going to stomp all over him. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love to see uh, a US-style Olympic trials where it's just you set a qualifying standard, invite everyone who's run faster than that in the last four years, and whoever shows up, have them just race on the day, all things even. Don't even turn on a clock if you don't want to. Just make sure it's 26.2 miles and just race. Yeah, it would be interesting. It'd be great to see. I'd love to watch it. And the US marathon trials is probably the most interesting marathon every four years. From a spectator point of view. Yeah, and to be fair, that's one thing they do concentrate on really strongly is the whole spectator aspect of that. And I think that's something that, you know, has in common with the London Marathon. Something that, again, maybe people were surprised that it still went ahead. But but you are right, you know, talking about what's been cancelled. I was thinking about this. You only got to think back to how the masses look on the start line and how sardined everyone all yeah, is exactly. in if that got, starting area. If one person in that has got it, then suddenly it's just... They'll give it to a few people and then they'll give it to a few, and it will just spiral from there. And it's just well, not what we're trying to do, really, uh, is it? Of course it does. And, and and like you say, you know, the thing is, and we talk about this off air, you'd like to think that most people lining up on the marathon start line are in good health and maybe wouldn't be kind of too at risk of it being really, really nasty. But you don't know because it's then who will they go home to and who the crowd Exactly. Are. And who's carrying it without symptoms. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, so, we're... Again, this isn't the coronavirus podcast, so we'll probably try it. And I don't really yeah. know enough about the science behind it to talk no. about it. No, what but- I do know about, though, is dealing with cancelled races, because I've had races cancelled before, and I've reacted in kind of different ways. So let's talk about kind of your feelings towards what you're kind of thinking at the moment and what you're thinking about going forward, and then I'll kind of give my two cents of how I've dealt with it in the past because this is a new experience for you. Yeah, well, massively. This is a this is a really probably it's probably the best format to do it. For me at the moment, I am struggling so much just with not necessarily the physical effort because I can go out and run for days and it'll be fine, but for me Ooh, I can run for days. Run for days, you know what I mean. But I can f- <laughs> the build up to this training, I've had a couple of niggles and injuries that have kind of been a bit kind of you know, they've been a things I've had to focus on and then maybe taken a wind out of myself a little bit but for the whole event this is something that I got my placement for this 
marathon in December and then it's all I've really been able to think about because for me specifically this has been such an aspirational thing for me to build up to for as long as I've known you I've not even been a big big runner but the one thing I have always said is I really want to run the London Marathon I've mm. always wanted to do it and eight years I might add eight <laughs> years is you how waited it's... all that time to get to shoot your shot and now it's kind of been taken away basically well Put it this way, the bar- yeah, the basketball hoop, if you're talking about shooting shots, the basketball hoop that was on the three-point line is now like on the other side of the car park. <laughs> it's now half court. It's, yeah, it's now on the other side of the car park. You know, it's, <laughs> It is a long way away now. So it's still there and I can see it. But for me, it's that kind of the mental exhaustion of you put so much into it. You've been planning your training. You've been planning your long runs, all of these things. And to now know that you just have to put it on the back burner a little bit and and go through things in the summer and everything. And I'll give you I'll give you a silly little example, right? So it was my birthday last week and I cut out, I said to myself, right, birthday, you get your last drink and then that's it. You sort of cut it out and just, you know, you oh, make wow. those healthy. That's, yeah, so that's a pretty big commitment. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Do I believe it would make the biggest difference on race day? Maybe not, but it's just one of those little steps you do. It's like one of those little 1% things. It's, yeah, I think it's more part of it. Physically, probably wouldn't make a difference now. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those kind of steps of being mentally kind of dialed in. You know, you've got two months or so to go until race day. Yeah. So you're thinking, okay, let's make that switch. And let's- yeah, and proving, proving to yourself that you're tough and all that kind of stuff. It's tough, you know, because it, it's tough to break a habit if, if you just have a beer a, a, of an evening, you know, and don't see yeah, anything exactly. of it. Although, to be fair, from the sounds of how wound up you're getting about it, you probably beer, needed yeah. to have a beer in the evening. So, well, this that is might, if you had, I didn't know you were doing that. If you'd have yeah. told me that, I'd have said, no, no, you probably need it. But but this is the irony of it. And this is what I mean, talking about just letting off some steam. Is that I assume since then you've had a couple of drinks. I actually haven't. I've told oh, myself. Wow. We'll, I've have set, to go, we'll have to have something later. I've set, well, no, I'll tell you what I've done. Is I've set myself a little two-week period where I've said, right, you come, normally this was going to be a six-week no drink. I'll tell you what, I've cut out coffee as well, which is a big thing Ooh. for me. So no, it was going to be no, it was going to be cold turkey on booze and coffee for six <laughs> weeks. But I've decided Ouch. to bring it down to two weeks just so I can still... It's just still like a little test for myself. I'm a week right. in now. So with, with lack of running challenges, you've brought in nutritional challenges there you for go. yourself. Yeah. God, you must be drinking so much more water now. A uh, hydrated boy. Yeah. No, but definitely. yeah, so so for me, it's, it's just those little things. And, and talking about the cutting out booze thing, it was a bit of hyperbole just there. But, but what it actually was, it was one of those little mental barriers that you put in to just prove to yourself that you can do it. Mm-hmm. And it's all part of mentally investing in this race. And now that you're, I say you're, now that I'm rather, not in a position to, I'm not in a position knowing that that race is now imminent it's now so much further off mm. it's you kind of lose focus a little bit or you it, it doesn't even, seem as it, it's it's just because it's been moved so far away and I, I understand obviously why october's the chosen date it makes sense but it's just that case of you now know that all the things that maybe you were going to do after the marathon are now something that you have to now do in maybe tandem with the marathon or with the marathon in mind Okay. So they could be yep. other physical yep. challenges. They could be holidays. They could be, you know, it could be all sorts of things like that. Just you kind of feel like your life's been pushed back a few months, basically, which I think a lot of people will be able to relate to with yeah. what's going on at the moment. And it's interesting kind of the way that you framed that to me as well, because I'm so used to dealing with long, long term goals. It's kind of interesting for some to hear somebody that's, you know, like something that's in October. I wouldn't necessarily think that I was planning too far ahead to be targeting something that far away. No, but I think for me is that because because of what the marathon represents and because you 
you have a, what well, I guess what you'd call a marathon block. And for me, I said to that Boxing yeah. Day was the start of my marathon block. So it was, what, exactly four months because it was 26th to 26th. Yep. This is, by the way, people, not marathon specific training. This is just, just being, getting ready for the marathon. Yeah, just having it really forefront of your mind. So for all yeah, of that. And- <laughs> Boxing Day, I've got you doing 20 mile long runs already. I would have been. <laughs> you wouldn't make it to the start line. No, I'd be crawling. Um <laughs> But yeah, and, and, and the other thing for me, and this is something I said to you off air, and if anybody else is in the same position as me, please leave a comment just as, and format it so it looks like you're screaming with it in agreement, preferably all caps lock and lots of ahs in there, <laughs> right? Is because this was my first marathon, this is like I say, such an aspirational thing, because it was my first marathon and because maybe this is my own stubbornness, but because I've always said, like, I wanted the London Marathon to be my first marathon, that was what mm-hmm. made it so exciting. Is Because if I wanted to go and get and run a 26-mile-long race, I could do it in a lot of other places. Yeah, well, yeah, there's so many marathons but, on nowadays. But I've idolised London Marathon is, is, like, something special that I want to do first. And for it to now be put so far back, it's that kind of, oh, it's because it was the first one because everything I had was going towards it. Had I've already run it once or twice, I go, oh, no worries. I'll just do it whenever it comes up. But Yeah, which is interesting because that's actually exactly what somebody else who has run, you know, major marathons a yeah. few times before that I coached Chris Moa, shout out, well done for your PB at Stone Market yesterday, Wait. said, he said, I've got to shoot my shot a few times before. So the fact that he's now had to rebook his marathon from Boston to Bungay, which is quite a, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, from one of the most iconic marathons and oldest marathons in the world in the US to Norfolk. Which yeah. no disrespect to Bungay or Norfolk Suffolk border. I can so see you wagging te- your finger te- at te- me My there. grandparents live there. Oh, technically, technically it's in Suffolk. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Hey. So... Yeah, you know, you're going an hour down the road as opposed to a really awesome, nice trip across the world. But he's kind of, you know, it's not his first marathon. He's like he said, he's shot his shot before. So he's just refocused and it's like, yeah, I just want to try and run as fast as I can there. Try and get a London qualifier for either the autumn or for next year. Yeah, so it's it's just funny. I think that's 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 the real thing for me but there are some silver linings now i'll talk you through my silver linings first and then obviously we can maybe move on to other elements of overcoming some of this disappointment which is this is the main bit of the pod let's not forget is that we do want to make this a positive thing and the ways i'm looking at this positively are now i've almost had a sneak preview of marathon training and kind of how i can expect my body to react to certain things yeah it's almost like we've done like half of the build-up already so now i know that yeah, and I was talking about mental barriers, like going out and how am I going to feel on a 15-mile run? How am I going to feel mm. on an 18-mile run? I now know that I can do those. Yeah. And that's a big bit of... Um, well, speaking of, of mental barriers, strength, I know yeah. we were really... You were kind of building yourself up to when you did your first 20-mile-plus run, which yeah. unfortunately we didn't get to do. It probably would have come next weekend. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of said to me, I'm comfortable. I'm confident that once I get past 20 miles... Yeah, I'll be a, I'll be confident that I can run the full marathon. Exactly. Which I mean, at the end of the day, like yeah, I said like yeah, sub three hours is like something that I think you can do, and it's what you have the capability to do, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, your target was to run the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, do you know what? Something I might do is I might ceremoniously choose to do like a 20 mile or a 22 or something on April 26th. Yeah. Just as a kind of a, a ceremonial middle finger to the whole thing. Well, I um, wonder whether they might have like a virtual London Marathon on the day that it's supposed to be on. I, I think a lot of people have called for that not to be the case. Um, just, I think a lot of people are getting a little bit too scared of... I wouldn't be at all surprised. Corona, but yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you get a lot of people just turn up and run 
as close as they can to the course on that day anyway. That I would not advise, to be fair. No, but, but, but the key difference with that will be they won't be closing roads and barriering things off. So if yeah, you do try... And, it would take forever. If, if you, you do, do try and, and run and over that. Tower Bridge, you can't complain if you get flattened, basically. Yeah. Is there a part... There is a pedestrian... There is, yeah. There, it's just a bit they? tight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's true well there probably won't be too many tourists walking about because no one can get into the country exactly so so, so yeah. it's it is crazy but um but yeah so that's the one silver lining is that i've kind of had a sneak preview i've had a try before you buy of marathon training and yep. it's hurt in places but it hasn't scared me off no definitely um, and you're probably fitter now than you've ever been exactly like, even when we were doing things like project five and when we were training for the 5k and the 10k yeah. I mean, and Project, Project Park Run as well. I even said to you, I think, might have even been on another podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if you were in shape to run a mile personal best during your marathon build-up. Probably, yeah. And I believe that. I think if we just chucked you in a couple of track sessions and then next Sunday just went out and time-trialed a mile, yeah, you could probably run it in faster than 4.57. Yeah, so that's so that's it. So that's kind of how I'm choosing to see one positive aspect uh, another thing that's really good as well, and this is something that maybe wouldn't apply to you, but it was one of the first things that I thought of as well, is that my charity placement, mm. obviously you have that limited time to raise money and they do. Ch- anyone who's run a marathon with a charity placement will know they do set you some very ambitious targets. Yeah, and it can be a bit of a squeeze since you only find out that you're running in December. Exactly, and you have to rely on a lot of people and you have to rely on their generosity. And these are all good things, but the one thing that now makes me feel a little bit more relaxed is that given circumstance... I'm going to have a lot more money to do fundraising. And to flip side that, one of the things that I said to the guys at each who are my charity for the marathon and will be my charity for the marathon because it's still happening, yeah, yeah, is that I said that I wanted to make loads of videos and content and stuff like that. And I fell off the wagon doing that a little bit because it was always raining, because it was dark and because it was tough because you're going out and the time that you do have to record videos you're out running 15 miles a pop exactly and it's just not practical to do it when it's pissing down with rain or if it's too dark to actually see what you're recording exactly so so now to know that i'm going to have summary sort of environments to record in and, and that the weather will be better it gives me a lot of confidence knowing that i can tackle that aspect and then hopefully as a result of all these things raise a lot more money which keeps Mm -hmm. the guys each happy um and obviously helps you know in this instance, helps out children that haven't, you know, necessarily got the best best uh, position in life at the moment. So, so, so that's, are, you, are you saying that we should be keeping our eyes on your YouTube channel? Are you, are you saying that our <laughs> listeners should all be liking and secret, subscribing? Secret plug, secret plug. Go and watch <laughs> my videos. Please. Like and subscribe. Welcome back to my channel. Oh, don't. But yeah, so so that, so that's it. So uh, as to to close off my thoughts on everything that's cropped up in the last few days is that I'm not naive enough to think that it would have gone ahead, but. God damn, it was frustrating, yeah. And it just, like I say, it just kind of beat it just beat me up for a couple of days because I was just a bit like, oh, come on, like, yeah, yeah, it's just frustrating. Um, I'm trying to think of a real world example of kind of a similar thing that you prepare for and get like really, really geared up for, and then it just kind of if it just doesn't happen, well, what your to, emotional response to that might be. To be fair, sometimes it, that could, yeah, but it could be anything. It could be something as silly as like you know you're really excited to go out and see your mate, and then they cancel at the last minute, or yeah. you know building yourself up for a holiday, and then you go, and then there's a problem that <laughs> Do you know what it is. It's like being stood up on a date. Yeah, literally, <laughs> the London Marathon has stood you up. You're sat at the restaurant by yourself 
you know, I'm glass watching, of water, basket of bread. I'm watching that candle just go down slowly, <laughs> yeah. slowly, slowly, and pretty soon it is going to get Holding to the bottom. Holding back the tears. It's going to get to the bottom and fizzle out. Eventually the waiter is going to awkwardly come and ask you to leave. <laughs> Either order something or leave. Exactly. So, uh, so that's it. So that's kind of my ranting and kind of the, the thoughts on the marathon f- for me. What I mean... The other flip side, and I thought about this literally this morning when I was out recording something, subscribe to my YouTube channel. <laughs> I actually thought to myself, the flip side and the positive aspect of this is it might not necessarily be the spectacle from an elite standpoint, but if I now look back on a history point of view, this will probably end up being one of the most unique London marathons ever. The 2020... Well, it's going to be, you're going to be running in the first ever autumn London Marathon. Exactly. Which is kind of cool. I mean, that's one of the questions that I was actually going to ask you is, do you feel like it's any less special that it's not taking place in the spring? Because the London Marathon is iconically the spring marathon. Well, this is it. So for me, I think if you just say to the passerby, I've run the London Marathon, they Mm -hmm. see that as enough of an achievement. So I don't necessarily prioritize the spring or the autumn as as which way or t'other. The one thing that I think it does affect though is, is it, when it comes to the elite race, because obviously now you're in that position where the Olympics, and we won't even go down that rabbit oh, hole. Man. Yeah, who we knows will what's not, happening there. We will not even go down there. But let's say in theory, it all goes swimmingly and you have the Olympics, then you've got London, or then, sorry, you've got the... Oh man, it's, it's going to be an absolute, basically all the world marathon majors within about two months of each other. I think it goes Berlin. You got Berlin's in September. London. No, yeah, Berlin's September, then London's October. Chicago. New York, Tokyo? Tokyo, New York? No, we've just had Tokyo, haven't we? So, Okay, so Tokyo, yeah, Tokyo was this year. So yeah, so it goes, yeah, you're right. So in, in this oh, example... No, Boston as well. Boston's in there somewhere as well. Boston and London maybe a week apart. Either way, there's talk of people trying to do like all of them, essentially. Yeah, and that's... Which I think that's kind of cool from like a, you know, your fun runner type, type of thing, like just doing it to do it. But in yeah. terms of the elite fields, oh man, they're going to be diluted. Well, if you think about this from a Kipchoge versus Bekele perspective, which is what everybody who is interested in that level of running was really excited for, yeah. you're now in this sort of position where, unless they do something like you mentioned, a, a, an adjusted spring marathon event. Mm-hmm. Which I think if they did an elite only version of London, I don't think that those two would go. No, I think it would be. I think it would just would we. It would be a British only race, and it would be an Olympic trials. But yeah, again, like you said, like we don't even know what the deal is with the Olympics. Whether they host that or not, probably will depend on what the Olympics are going to be doing. Well, yeah, I mean, the the general chit chat that I gathered was that you'd have Bekele and Kipchoge run in London, and whatever happens there would happen there, and then they'd either probably target the Olympics and be part of their respective national teams. Or maybe then go and do Berlin because t- typically you look at someone like Kipchoge, um, who's done you know, London in the, the summer or in the spring rather, and then Berlin. Yeah, so I know I I, I do that. know that the plan for both of them was to do London then Olympics. Yeah. So we were going to get a double showdown in inverted commas. Yeah. Because I don't S- think it's actually going to be a showdown. But mm. go on. But now, but now what happens is now what you've actually done is you probably forced them to pick one out of the three. And, and yeah, if you're if you're Bekele. Why would you go and race Kipchoge? Uh, like, just why would you dilute your wallet like that? Well, yeah. Like, I know that he's got enough money and he's not money driven, but at the same time, he will be. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just uh, well, what and you... also, why would you want to go and come, you know, second, third, fourth, like with Wasian and Geremu, like who knows what those guys are going to be able to run as well. Yeah. 
he might not even be top Ethiopian, you know? Yeah. Um, like, why would you risk all of that when he knows he runs well at Berlin? It's a couple of weeks before, so he knows that Kipchoge's not going to be there because Kipchoge, I think, is pretty committed to London. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm Bekele, I'm just going to go Berlin and I'm going to go win and try and get to the world record before Kipchoge does. Well, this is it. Yeah, because... But then think about this. I mean, what do you do if you're in... But then say if you're in Kipchoge shoes, and this is all this is all the other part of the disappointment is this is a silly little mental games that you end up playing with yourself because of how it adjusts your schedule. Yeah. Is now Kipchoge's in a position, does he try and defend an Olympic title? And He'll definitely I think Kipchoge will one hundred percent if the Olympics is on, whenever it is on, whether it's this year, next year, two years from now, Kipchoge will go to the Olympics. So he does that and then does he then want to come out and then run another marathon so quickly afterwards? Yeah. Or yes, yeah, because the then because then that imagine if he wins that and then imagine if he got pipped or I think if the Olympics go ahead as scheduled, I yeah. think there's probably enough time between that and London for him to get back. Tight though, isn't it? Yeah. Considering that he it's previously... tight, it's tighter than what he'd be used to, but I think yeah, I think he'd be able to. Do but it. then, but then, imagine it this way: is imagine then if he got pipped. Say, say that was the situation. He then got pipped in London by you know some upstart who wasn't at the Olympics and just had a really good race on the day. The would, equivalent of like last year's Jeremy. Yeah, like would that would that dilute his legacy, or would you say people saying, "Well, oh, it doesn't count because he ran that and he didn't have time to do his normal build up and all this sort of thing." I just don't think it will happen. <laughs> no, but, but, this but is, yeah, no, I know. But what you this mean. is what I mean. And then, like you say, is it puts tremendous pressure on him. Does he try and defend an Olympic title and get that? Then does he try and run in London because that's just he's yeah, kind of committed to it. His and his he race that London, he's won all yeah. these times. Or do you go for Berlin and try and go for the world record again? Yeah, you know, there's all these questions that it's it's unfair to to suddenly have placed on his head. And yeah, I, I'm exactly. sure he's not. I'm sure he's not stressed. He doesn't seem like the most stressful bloke in the world. I think he might be the least stress broken in the world. Exactly. But you see what I mean? It puts all this extra pressure on things. Anyway, I'm rambling. I'm rambling. Yeah, no, we went on a pretty good tangent there talking about Kipchoge and Bekele. But yeah, so getting back to kind of how you cope with cancelled races specifically and how to bounce back from that type of disappointment. In your situation specifically, I really do think that the most positive way that we can frame it is that you have a massive head start now. Yeah. Like... We didn't get into really, really specific marathon work. Like we weren't doing long runs of over 20 miles. You weren't doing things like in and out 1Ks and miles and, you know, 4 by 5 k like at marathon pace. We weren't doing that type of session yet because you just weren't quite ready for it. Yeah. But because we've now got, and that's because you only found out you were running in December. Like you can't just jump from, you know, 10, 15 miles a week up to doing... Big marathon week, yeah. sessions, yeah, 50, 60, 70 miles a week in that frame of time because, like, you know, you break yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now we've got a nice little a nice little base, a speed base as well because you ran well over the 10K and the 5K park run. And, yeah, we've just got a huge head start, basically, which is really cool. It, it's quite cool and it's quite exciting. And we've said between ourselves, like, we want to try and keep you on kind of an even keel now going forward until it is time to start ramping the miles back up again so that we have that base of your body is used to consistently running 13 to 15 miles once a week yeah. and doing, you know, two, three, four other runs of maybe a couple of interval sessions, a couple of easy runs. We can really afford to chill you right out on your easy runs now, just go like nine minute pace, 8.30 pace, eight minute pace on your easy runs and just 
enjoy it for what it is like don't yeah. have it take away from any other aspect of your life which running shouldn't really do anyway no and i think it'll be a damn sight easier for it to not take away from aspects of your life when i get to do those runs in longer longer daylight hours as well like yeah said. definitely and like now it's kind of at a place as well where like any any specific run that you do between now and i don't know june july it doesn't mean anything other than just getting it done. Like it doesn't actually matter what shape you're in. It just yeah. means you just want something in the tank so that when we ramp it back up again, you'll be resistant to illness, injury, that sort of thing. Yeah. And we won't be overdoing it when we're doing what we need to do to get you through London at a decent pace, basically. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the biggest positive that we can take from that is like, yeah, you know, you've got a huge head start. Yeah. We also get to reset as well which is quite good but I've, I've had races cancelled before it was 2000 march as well obviously because apparently march is the month of cancelling races <laughs> march 2018 i had a couple of races cancelled and reacted to them both in pretty similar ways <laughs> and instead of racing i just took the day off had a night in a hotel because that's just they brought you there yeah yeah, had a night in the hotel, chilled, slept in the next day, ate, enjoyed a nice big breakfast instead of racing, just didn't run that day and yeah. like just took that mental reset and was then able to pour that energy, that mental energy and physical energy taken from the taper leading into the race back into training for the next few weeks, which ultimately by the end of May got me in great shape and I ran my 10 KPV. So yeah, which a performance which I still really other than maybe my 10k road personal best haven't actually matched since yeah so you know that's just one example of ways that you can really bounce back and maybe sometimes a cancelled or postponed race can be for the best interesting yeah it is interesting this is all new experience for me so it's, it's interesting to hear from your yeah exactly your and it's, aspect, I mean, your obviously on this level it's very very new for me i mean i've i've never had such a long period of time where there is just going to be nothing yeah and you know i mean one thing that we haven't spoken about yet as well is that it is for some people it's a financial strain having races cancelled i mean the yeah. primary reason aside from obviously i enjoy racing and i wanted to go out and do these races because they're good races but one of the big reasons why i was doing cardiff 10k and reading half is money yeah is because those would have been you know fairly big paychecks for me and because i had such a bad time at the big half I didn't get to take any money and I was expecting to get a decent chunk of money out of that one. Yeah. But I didn't get to take anything away from that because for a few, re quite a few reasons I'd had a bad run. So I was also then fired up to go and have a good run. So that's, I think going to bring us on to our next chunk of bouncing back from disappointment and it's bouncing back from the disappointment of a bad race. And see, this is something that I can't necessarily relate to on the same way that you can. Because you've never had a bad race. Well, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't had enough races, but I know I, the closest thing that I can think of is I have had, and the closest thing is maybe if I just had dodgy park runs or something, like, or, or little targets that I've set myself where I haven't quite hit the target. And one that springs to mind is when I tried to break 20 minutes on a park run for the first time and I was all fired up with the determination that I think, oh, could, today could be the day and it just slipped out of my hands and I remember feeling so kind of beat up about it just for the day not to the point where it really really upset me but just for that kind of like what did I do wrong like yeah you know, I just did something yeah you, you end up again silly well, it's one of those things that, yourself it is one of those things that bad races do is it, it forces that kind of introspectiveness where you do look and you think okay well what could I have done differently 
in the race? Yeah. How could my pacing strategy have been different? Where did I maybe show a little bit of mental weakness where I need to push on a bit next time? And where did I maybe go wrong in my training? Maybe where was I not prepared enough for this race? Right. Did I not know what mark? I mean, one big thing that you said helped you when you were first getting into parkrun is knowing the areas of the course, knowing your mile markers, yeah, knowing hugely. your kilometer markers. And that, I imagine you went and walked the course and measured those out after that disappointing race. Am oh, I right yeah. in thinking that? Oh, yeah. yes. So that's one of the ways that you responded. There were one of the ways that you bounced back. Uh, right, I see. Yeah, yeah. So what's, yeah, actually, that's an interesting one. So what is the timeline between that performance and you then going back to parkrun and breaking 20 minutes? Do you know what? I can't remember exactly, but it was within a couple of weeks. I remember, mm-hmm. like, I, I remember that I was sort of, I mentally wanted to do it for a couple of weeks, didn't quite manage it, went out and did some some adjustments. And I think they were silly little things like... Things like mate, finding your mile markers, yeah, just, just going for a little bit of a harder run or a little bit of a longer run. Yeah, during the week and all those sorts of, sorts of things. And then, yeah, came back and just... And, and the other silly little things are... This sounds really obvious now, but at the time, previously, I wasn't wearing a watch or anything like that. I was just going out and playing it by feel. And then just see little things like putting a watch on and just seeing how I was doing on the course. And it all added up. Yeah, definitely. Because 20 minutes is, what, about 6.30, 6.40 pace? Something something like that. Something like that, Well, I'm sure you probably would have. Now you're an 18-minute runner, so it doesn't matter. Probably 17 if we get you on a quicker course. Yeah. Or just a nice day as well when it's not muddy. But yeah, you'd have known that and you probably would have looked at your watch through a mile. You'd have seen, all right, 6.35, I'm slightly ahead. Let's, you know, it was at Chantry as well. So that's a hard course. Like it's a hard last mile. So you probably want to go off a little bit ahead and you'd look at the next one. Okay, 13.10, that's that's another 6.35. Now I've got a little bit of a gap. I can afford to push on this last mile, but not panic because of the, you know, the hills and the twisty turny stuff. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about but I guess in parkrun, because you get you always get the opportunity again next week, whereas in bigger races, you don't always get the same opportunity next week. You might get an opportunity to race again soon, but it won't necessarily be the same thing. So exactly. I'd be interested to get and your take on that. Well, that's, exa- that's a really good point, because if you're an elite marathon runner, you get probably two shots a year, maybe three, if you time your... If you- kind of time your training and your races yeah in the right way i mean i don't know if many i don't know of many elite guys that have run more than three marathons in a year unless they're chasing something they're chasing an olympics or a world's qualifying time something like that yeah or if one of the races is a trials race maybe they do a big city a trials and champs but yeah like you don't get many chances whereas like you say a park run you get a chance every week and i actually really used that to my advantage recently to overcome the disappointment of a bad race so talked about big half kind of glossed over it because nobody really wants to hear about me running 69 minutes for the half marathon because it's just (laughs) like for for me that's five minutes slower than my pb it's not where i should be yeah i mean it did include a stop but we won't talk about that but the week after that or six days after that went down to felix stowe i don't know why i always keep i keep wanting to say kesgrave because we go to kesgrave park run so often <laughs> and it was just a bit it had rained for the last like month straight which is the reason why i didn't go to kesgrave and thought yeah we'll yeah. give felix stowe a go went down to felix stowe lashed out a park run round there beat the course record had a bunch of people telling me how cool i was because i was really? able to run fast which you know like people you like to hear it <laughs> you think of things you love to hear that is high up the list is people telling you how great you are when yeah. you do when you do a park run so yeah and 1438 for me isn't a fast 5k 
in the nicest way possible. Like I've run under 14 before. It's a good 45 or so, maybe even more seconds slower than my PB. Yeah. But it was a nice confidence boost after such a bad race. Yeah. To go out and to have that kind of admiration from the people that were there, the other park runners and the, yeah. the officials and other people that were there just watching. It was quite, it was just a nice little confidence boost. And I think getting your confidence back after a bad race is probably priority number one, really. Because yeah. a bad race doesn't mean you're in bad shape. It does, no. like it, Sometimes it does, but most of the time, and I know for a fact, I was doing some crazy sessions leading into that. I mean, yeah. the one example I'll give is I did 10 by a mile. All of them were under 450, off of a minute's rest. Disgusting. That suggests to me that I should be able to run a half marathon PB. And I discussed with my coach, I was, we were saying like, yeah, if you have a bit of a rough go, you'll probably just about scrape a PB. And I was five minutes slow. Yeah. So that shows the type of shape I was in. And going out and smashing out that park run, kind of show to me like you can do that on tired legs you're still in shape like you just need to get your mojo back it's interesting i'm going to bring in one of my references which we've let slip recently because we've had our kipchoge we've sort of had a shoe rant going to bring in we talked about (laughs) i had a good tangent on the alpha flies going to bring in my boxing reference here we go they frequently they frequently talk about that in in boxing is fighters that come off maybe their first loss Mm. um and they always talk about what sort of fight are they going to go into next and they talk about maybe giving some fighters an easy touch you know, uh, uh, someone that they can just kind of batter and just move someone on to that the they next. know that they can they can win with relative ease. You know, yeah. it's not going to be a real war to get through. And it's and it's interesting that that obviously you can clearly apply that through all. You know, I'd say through all sports. I'm sure you can through all sports. Don't have. Yeah, no, I think you so can. I most, mean, yeah, yeah. Let's say you Liverpool. I guess of late, you know, they kind of struggled their last couple of matches, didn't they? Like they got knocked yeah. out of the Champions League. They lost their first Premier League game. What they probably needed more than anything was to just go and absolutely batter someone like Aston Villa or someone. Yeah. No offence, Villa fans, but let's be honest, you're not great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, bouncing back from a bad race. like A bad race doesn't mean you're in bad shape. It doesn't mean you're a bad athlete. It doesn't mean you've lost it. It just means you just get your confidence back. Yeah. And, like, it's still there. It's still in there. I mean, sort of. I forget as well. As recently as December the, like, 28th, I ran probably one of the best races I've ever run, over 10K on the roads. So yeah, it's not that I can't run on the roads. It's not that I'm in bad shape. It's just a bad couple of, bad couple of bits of races and combined with some bad weather. So training has been, you know, compromised like it has for everybody else in the country. Yeah. But... That's, uh, do you know what? Yeah, it's, that's, that's a really interesting... I hadn't thought of things that way, but... It is, and I can think of all sorts of walks of life now where you get moments like that where you just go, doesn't mean uh, even like career wise, think about sometimes you have opportunities where you think like you just had a bad day at work, like where you maybe you didn't sell something you were supposed to sell, or maybe you mm. didn't, you know, you didn't get as much done as you normally could in a day. It doesn't mean that you can't do your job and you're incompetent, it just means that you just had a blip, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and well, funny. that's that's kind of one of the things where you can bounce, you can fall back on other areas of life when one maybe falls out of place yeah so if running's not going well maybe fall back on work like i could i was able to fall back on the fact that a couple of people i coached right had huge runs that yeah. weekend i think i think that was the same weekend or maybe even the same day as the great bentley half yeah it was yeah. where yeah where steve ran steve taylor ran like a 10 minute pb and broke 90 for the first time exactly yeah <laughs> like so i kind of like yeah i had a bad run but 
here I've got this to fall back on and let's say you have a bad day at work but you're a runner you get home from work you can go for a run that night that's something you can fall back on and you know what you can cook yourself your favorite dinner or do you know like it's just about finding the coping strategies that work for yeah. you. And do you know what? It's really funny, actually. I've just been remembered to give a shout-out to Mama G, Georgia again, shout-out, is that her and I were talking the other day uh, about what we're going to do in place of London. I think she's got uh, another marathon that she's going to aim to go and run. But mm. we were talking about going out and doing a big 22-miler together in, in kind of our, as our, like, protest run. So, <laughs> Georgia, once my legs feel a little bit more sharp, I'll hold you to that and we'll go out and we'll do a 22 at some point, I promise. There we go. Good luck. Uh, I will not be joining you on your 22-mile run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another shout out to Georgia as well is she ran an outright PB at oh yeah Cambridge. that was mad that yeah. time, it? It was like, like not a not a post pregnancy PB an outright PB yeah that, that was really cool to see I did enjoy seeing that yeah, what was it like eighty two or something. I think it was around there. Yeah, I don't think her and her and Dan weren't too far apart. Yeah, so. yeah, Georgia, that was a sharp run. Well done. Yeah, no quality running there. So let's move on, and you kind of briefly hinted it there, saying that your legs didn't feel too sharp. The next kind of big lump of disappointment that we're going to tell people how to bounce back from and i ironically don't actually have a huge amount of experience with this one personally but injury see i can talk about this to to a degree so for listeners that know me you'll have often heard, heard me whinge about my knee at some point for anyone that doesn't i've got a bit of an ongoing knee niggle that has just been a thing over the years just like an old man with a gammy leg basically yeah god knows what's going to happen when i'm old and fossilized i'm just going to be on on a zimmer frame by the time i'm 41 oh i know i'm it's going to be hip surgery for me when i'm like 50 so <laughs> anyway I had a moment during my marathon training which really shook me a little bit where I just had a particularly rough night where I was running an easy run and it just didn't quite feel right. And then by the time I got home, something happened that means I had to go out and didn't get a very good night's sleep. And then knee felt really bad for a few days. And that was really unsettling because it kind of almost put my whole marathon training into jeopardy, as it were. I I, I say it it probably didn't put my marathon training into jeopardy, but it felt like it did. And that was really, really tough. Yeah, well, that's one of the riskiest things with marathon training as well is when it's such a specific event and it's such a long build up. Like, I think it was, it was like Steve Jones, I think, that said it. I saw somebody quoted it in a tweet the other day. It was something along the lines of, you're a hamstring injury away from being a normal person, basically. <laughs> from just being, you know, just ordinary again. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's that's quite a powerful statement. Like, just something so small. Any tiny little thing in your body could go wrong. You know, you step off the curb wrong and twist your ankle. Yeah, literally. Suddenly, you're not a guy that's preparing for London. You're just a guy. Yeah, exactly. So... So that's it. So and and even now, ironically, you should talk about hamstring industry. Indus- oh, I can't even say. I wouldn't say industry. <laughs> hamstring injuries is the We're my in the injury industry. Oh God, it feels like it. Say that twenty times quick. No, <laughs> I did my eighteen mile long run last week, and as a result, my hamstring was in absolute agony um, for the for the next week. So I've sort of been resting that up. But talking about my knee again, I. I had these sort of probably week where I was really unsure about, like really eased off on the runs, went out for a couple of runs and it didn't feel bad, but it didn't feel normal. Mm -hmm. And I know that I had these moments. Then I took a little bit more time off and then all of a sudden went out on a run and it just felt great. And I went out the next day and did a like a mile longer, like I did from like a three mile to a four mile to a five mile and it started to feel normal again. And I know the elation that sort of was coming through me going like, yes, you can do it. You're back on, you're back in business. Let's go, come on. uh. (laughs) Well, that's probably actually, that's one of the most powerful things that you can think about at the start of the injury when you're just in this 
black hole of like there is no light at the end of the tunnel this is it i'm never going to run fast again injuries go as quickly as they come sometimes yeah and like there is always light at the end of the tunnel just because you're injured now it doesn't mean you're never going to run again it doesn't mean you're never going to get back to the same shape you've ever been in again like yeah i don't know who said it but basically my my theory and i agree with this is like you are able once you get into a certain shape it then becomes easier to get back into that shape. Yeah. So for example, because I've been in the shape to run under 29 minutes for the 10K, I would find it easier to get back into the shape. To, this isn't doing it. This is being in the shape to do it. Yeah. I'd find it easier to get back into the shape to running sub 29 for the 10K than someone who's never done it before, for someone who is yeah. it's new territory for them. I don't know if that's a mental or a physical barrier or thing, but... The point of it is, like, when you pick up an injury, your training isn't all lost. No, that's that's really important, actually. I think that's a, that's a highlight point to remember. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, depending on the injury, there's often quite a lot of things you can do. Like, if you're worried about losing fitness, you can supplement training in so many ways for running. I mean, first of all, you probably got injured because you probably were weak in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Like, it sounds harsh, doesn't it? Does it? Sound, oh, you're so weak. Sounds <laughs> sounds like you're facing the final boss in the game. Yeah, exactly. But no, like, yeah, if you got a hamstring injury, maybe it's because your hamstring was, contem- was compensating for something else that's not quite right. Or maybe the hamstring itself was the weak point. So you can go in the gym and you, could find, you can find your weak points and you can strengthen them. Same thing with, I mean, if you're injured, you should always go and try and see a physio or get someone to diagnose the injury instead of self-diagnosing it. It's just the easiest protocol in terms of getting back to full health quickly. If someone can then, like a a professional, if they can then diagnose what it is, they can often give you strategies for then fixing that problem. Yeah. Like a problem being gone doesn't mean it's fixed. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a good way to word it. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, you can throw yourself into addressing and fixing the problem as opposed to, you know, spending all of that time and energy that you would have spent training, you can spend on fixing. Yeah. You can also maintain fitness through so many different types of activity. Like, first of all, in fixing the problem will involve some weight training. I really do think that weight training and distance running are so much more closely related than people think. Interesting. So much. And there's a whole bunch of physiological reasons that we can go into in another pod at a later date. (laughs) Swimming. Swimming is awesome yeah. for runners. Aqua running. that It's basically just running, but with no impact. And it's actually probably, if anything, harder. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, like, if you want to stop, you drown. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Don't Please, no one go and drown themselves. Um, yeah, aqua running. You can get on the bike and you can go for, like, a long bike ride around the country. Or if you don't have a bike, get into your gym and you can get on the spin bike. You can experiment with different things like spin classes and things like that. Yeah. Cross trainers, elliptigo. There's so much other stuff that keeps you in aerobic shape that isn't just running. Yeah. And that's a good thing to remember because I often, I've had a few moments where I've not been able to run because maybe it's been crummy weather or I've been not feeling 100% in my body and or yeah. even things like going out to certain environments, just knowing that they wouldn't be suitable because there's no street lighting, for example, something stupid like that. Yeah. Like that five mile course we did recently is a bit where it's unlit. So thinking about that and just thinking about going back to the gym is something you almost, it's good to hear you as somebody who knows what they're talking about say that because I've almost had those moments where you go, 
it almost doesn't count if you go and run five miles on a treadmill. It does. Oh, it absolutely counts. It does, but do you know Jeez, what I mean? I've, it doesn't uh, feel the same. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, living in New York, we had, obviously, for five years, we had pretty harsh winters. So there were times yeah. where we would have to do a long run or a session on a treadmill. And, you know, people would still go out and they'd still run fast. I mean... I, th- I don't know what wind I'm pretty sure it was the winter that I ran four minutes for the mile like I did a good few of those miles on the treadmill because it was yeah. snowing because it was bad weather but like you know you, it's still running it's still aerobic activity it's not because yeah. it doesn't show up on your garment doesn't mean it doesn't count <laughs> that, that that's <laughs> a line that's because, a line to highlight there just it really uh, is like because you don't have a nice fancy loop on Strava doesn't mean it doesn't count like you can manual upload it if you really want it on Strava <laughs> like yeah. it's still training it's yeah. still it's still there and you can do sessions on the treadmill yeah like, quite easily especially if you're training for the longer events you might have to reset it after an hour if you're training for a marathon but you know it's there's plenty of ways around it but i mean we're talking about injury so we're talking about cross training here yeah but yeah there's there's so many ways to stay fit and it does apply to your running whether you think it or not because you got injured probably from training yeah and yeah. probably from training too hard which means that you've probably built up quite a lot of fitness reserve. Yeah. So then, and the other thing as well is if you're training something, you know, your body, I dare say, moves in certain ways and gets into certain patterns, almost like repetitive strains and things like that. Going and doing a different kind of training that doesn't yeah, can necessarily use that exactly and, same. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's a really good point, actually. Again, this is something that I've learned, but that, and I know from how I would react to stuff like that is that, if I'd gone out and done an hour's run and it felt all wrong and I'd just come away going like, oh, no, I didn't, didn't feel good about that one. But then I maybe went and did, I don't know, an hour long swim. Obviously, an hour long swim is not comparable. So you did like maybe a half an hour long swim or something just yeah, by know. by comparison. But I, I know, put it this way, if I'd come out of that, if I'd come out and I'd, yeah, and you sort of feel your body in that kind of like ache, like, oh, geez, whoa, like that, like feeling like you've had a workout. I think mm-hmm. that for me would be a strong confidence boost to go, okay, your body is still improving. Don't worry just because you didn't get your run in. I think that's how yeah. I'd look at oh, it. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I heard somebody say this the other day. Um, I think it might have been John Marcus on the Magnus and Marcus podcast. And they said fitness or running specific fitness, event specific fitness has a half-life of about three and a half weeks. Right, okay. So, and that's from doing absolutely nothing. They said like that's just from sitting on the sofa, you know, watching TV all day and just, you know, just chilling out basically just being a slob for three and a half weeks so if you're going out and cross training most injuries won't keep you out for more than about six to eight weeks unless it's something that's a bit complicated or you need to have surgery or something like that yeah you know you're generally you're going to come back from your injury just as fit as when you left in fact you may even come back fitter because that time that you've had away from running may have given the running training a chance to really fully absorb and manifest itself in your body. Well, that's it. And, and the thing that I think about as well is I have a lot of days where maybe I don't get the right amount of sleep and the right amount of rest I should do. And and knowing that things like a little hamstring injury that I've had or little niggles with your knee or something like that where I've had to take a couple of days off, I actually choose to sometimes, and again, this is a positive way to spin spin it and maybe bounce back from the disappointment, is going like, well, actually, you're going to give your body a few days to really properly recover. Which yeah, and a that- lot of times I've seen you come back from those way fitter. I mean, even from things where it's just certain circumstances mean that you can't get out for a run. What springs to mind is when we were doing Project 5 and you had, 
it was about six days or five or six days where you weren't able to get out for a run because you just didn't have time. Yeah. And then we came back. We got you on the track to do a session. It might have even been the time that we got kicked out on Northgate and we I had think, to go to the grass track. Yeah, I think you're right. And yeah. you went and absolutely battered 12 by 400. <laughs> like that was the day. And that, funnily enough, that was the day that I knew you were going to go sub five. Yeah. That's when I knew that you were in shape to do it. It was just a case of getting a couple more weeks in and then just popping the cherry on top of the ice and on top of the cake yeah by actually doing it nice <laughs> uh so we might as well move on to the last little one that we've got here before we wrap up because this is we said this was going to be a short one as we always do and here we are at the hour mark again almost yeah. it never is <laughs> and that's just struggling with training and motivation i don't think we really need to talk too much about this because we kind of touched on it a lot already is a lot of these things will involve struggles with training and motivation you know if your race is cancelled you struggle with the motivation to train and race for the postponed race date or for the next date that seems far away yeah if you have a bad race maybe you think um you know you struggle with the training and the motivation coming off of that bad race because you don't want to go out there and have another bad race and feel you know bad about yourself yeah if you're injured obviously you're going to struggle with the motivation for training because you're either going out and your body's not right and it hurts to run or you're cross training and you'd rather be running than being in the pool or on the bike, which I think is true for almost all runners. Yeah. But like, I think the, yeah, I think the coping, I think the coping mechanisms and strategies, they do overlap. Yeah. And to be fair, the, the, the instant thing that I would go to is I think for lack of motivation, essentially a lot of that stuff talking about, yeah, the phrase I used right at the start of this pod about the wind being taken out of your sails, I think it all comes back round to that, is that that motivation, you have such a strong motivation because your goal feels achievable. And then when something happens, it feels unachievable because you can't do it. Or because yeah, definitely. And I think we can also probably agree on the fact, like if you feel deflated, that probably means that at one point you felt so inflated, like you really cared. Yeah. The fact that you feel deflated and you feel like you're struggling for motivation probably means that you do actually care a lot and exactly. you do actually want to achieve the goal that you're setting out to achieve. Exactly. So I think it's I, not such a bad thing. No, I, I think the way to spin it is maybe just adjust your goal to, yeah. to something that is more achievable. So for me now... Adjust your goal or sometimes people just need a talking to, like maybe just tell someone. Yeah, and this is it. And I was going to say, for me now, I think the thing that's helped me is now that I've had a couple of days to get over the initial ugh, of London being postponed, like I've said, is I'm probably going to go out and run something on April the 26th as like my little ceremonial thing. And exactly. That, yeah. And that'll be a little goal for me to focus on. And that'll be something that when I do go out for my first run again in a week, you know, probably in the next few days... I'll go out and I'll think, okay, this isn't for nothing. You're going to still force yourself through something like you've, you know, exactly. Yeah. No, I, no, I actually really like that. Just chucking in like a stepping stone type of goal. Yeah. To get you, you know, from where you are now, kind of in a bit of a training funk onto the next stage of, you know, chasing that goal. So something like what we said earlier, like just chucking in a park run, just thinking, all right, my next, my major goal isn't for two months and I'm struggling and training is not going well do you know what, let's just do a park run in two weeks and see what I can do there. And that stepping stone will likely kick you on yeah. to help you then train for, for your next event. Similar to, yeah, like bouncing back from a bad race. Just and hop in another one yeah. or do a session that you know that you're good at and that you can succeed at. Cool, and do you know what, we can almost sort of combine all of these as we come to the end, is that mm. talking about um, 
you know, haven't given a talking to somebody. I think having that group, you know, energy, it's like if you go through a breakup or something, you go to your mates, don't you? It's having that, it's having that energy, talking about me getting yeah, stood definitely. up by London. I'm going, to, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to everyone at the moment who knows I'm running and they're all going, oh, don't worry about it, Sam. You'll still get to do it. And I'm going, oh, no, but like that. Exactly. We'll, we'll go back to the dinner reservation again. Exactly. You're sat at the restaurant, you know, the candle's burning down. You've emptied the bread basket. You're just about, there's a single tear rolling down your face. <laughs> But then you remember, actually, all of my mates are at the pub around the corner. And you I'll stroll just... around their pride you, with pride yeah, you nobility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you untuck your shirt, <laughs> scruff your hair up a little bit and pretend that you just were like just at work. Like, exactly. I was just working late, you know? I wasn't stood up. <laughs> <laughs> or you tell them you were stood up and they'll tell you you're a great guy and they'll you know help you chat to girls at the bar. Exactly. That's, that's beside the point. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, do you know what? That's a really, I think that's a really good way to round it up is, is kind of just remember that you can feed off the energy of others. And talking about going to a park run, even if you have a good day or a bad day at park oh, run. The energy at park run is like nothing else. Like, it's brilliant. It's such a, there's no pressure at park run. To exactly. You. I've enjoyed park runs just as much when we've sort of jogged around in about 20, 21 minutes. Yeah. The same amount and have felt the same reception from people as when I go out and I smash like a course record at a park yeah. run. It's the same It's the same atmosphere. It's you're talking to the same people. We've got a few of our kind of, friends of steadfast that we see at park runs and locally around and stuff like that that we'll have a little chat to afterwards and stuff and it's just a really good like almost like family type atmosphere yeah and i think that's if anything that could be a good way to summarize it is yeah and to bring bring an end to this pod and sort of talk about summaries is it is deflating it is frustrating but the important things are to not remember (laughs) sorry i couldn't help but laugh at the rhyme there don't worry this is not my this is not a mixtape it is deflating it is frustrating it's outrageous. Inside. <laughs> I was going for a peep show reference there. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't it's know. contagious. Oh, right. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, bringing it back to um, yeah, to, to back br- to the start of the pod, the whole contagious corona stuff. Yeah, you need to. Oh, not contagious. I was talking about feeding off the energy of others. You can't go talking about contagions now. Ooh. It's bad luck, isn't it? Well, um, right. No one's allowed to gather together for anything. Part <laughs> actually seemingly well. I don't know, they're probably announcing like five minutes that it's going to be all cancelled, but <laughs> seems to be just about the only race that you can do at the moment. I yeah. say race, uh, use the term lightly because you're not supposed to talk to it as a race. Someone referred to me as the winner of Parkrun and got told off a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> which I, I had to laugh at a little bit. But yeah, I think generally the way that we can summarise how to bounce back from disappointment is, is it's those cliche things almost, isn't it? It's just remembering why you were excited for it in the first place and yep. remembering that if you are struggling with that, you might not be the only person that goes through it. Speak to others and you might find ways to cope with it. And I think also goal setting as well. I think goal setting is something from just goal talking setting, to you Goal setting, speaking to others. One of the most important ones as well, which we haven't even highlighted yet, is just enjoying the process. Just reminding yourself yeah. that like, actually, I run because it's a hobby. Yeah. You know, like even, even at my type of level, like running is a hobby to me. Yeah. So like I choose to go out there and do it. I choose to go out and do it because I enjoy it. And the further, the closer you can kind of be to that and the further you get away from it, the harder it's going to be to motivate yourself to run. And, you know, the lows are going to be lower and the highs are going to be higher. But just, yeah, remember why you do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's a pretty good good summary. Do you want to, do you want to just round it off with a, with a final goodbye? With a final goodbye, yeah. Um, phew, you put me on the spot here. I don't really know what to say. All right, stay safe, everybody. Stay inside. Get your training in if you can. 
And yeah, keep listening to Steadcast in your in your isolation. And wash your damn hands. And yeah, wash your hands and don't eat bats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time. <laughs>